sight In the darkness is the light Out of the shadows of my life In the darkness is the light Welcome once again to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. And I'm Kat. And tonight we are very pleased to be talking to somebody who has had a career in film and television for over 30 years and has appeared alongside pop culture icons like John Ritter, Jim Varney, Pierce Brosnan, Michael Chiklis, Ethan Hawke, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and the Muppets. But to the listener of this podcast, he's probably best known as Ned, the head roadie of the Phillips Band Tour. We are very happy to be talking to Dave Squatch Ward tonight. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Well, um, the first question I have is sort of a general question. I think pretty much uh, every interview should start with, which is how did you first become interested in acting and performing in general? And I guess specifically, how did you come to So Weird? Well, it, okay, first it started out, I was in the hotel business for quite a while. And, uh, and I ended up uh, hooking up with the Yuck Yucks chain, and I, and I worked as the, uh, the general manager of the Yuck Yucks in Victoria. The second week we were open, one of the acts didn't show up. But I got 120 people, all paid $19.95 to be there, and I'm certainly not going to give them back their money. So I moved my MC to the middle. I had a headliner. I MC'd. They laughed at me. That was their biggest mistake. <laughs> months later I quit my job and I went on the road and I worked as a stand-up uh, full-time for almost four years uh, I was hosting a, a talent contest at a local hotel in uh, in uh, Burnaby and this woman came up to me after my my show and said hey have you ever thought about doing any acting and I said sure that's all I ever think about and uh I went out two days later on an audition. I got the very first thing I ever auditioned for. And then I got really busy doing commercials and things. Uh, then I got a, a role in a show called Dead Man's Gun, where I worked with Henry Winkler. And Henry was the uh, producer of uh, So Weird. So when few, about four years later, when So Weird came into being, he called me up and said, hey, you're the guy. I want you to play this roadie. Ned Bell, and and that was it. I, I got the gig, and we uh, we had three good years and a lot of fun, and I had to work with some really talented people and and do some really interesting stories. And your first role was that uh, on an episode of Wise Guys. That's what IMDb says. Oh yeah, no, no, my no before before that, my first role was in a Disney film. My first film role was in a, a Disney film be called called. Uh, wings and then it, they changed the name after they released it but i'd done a, a several small parts uh before that and uh the commission was a was a big break for me i did the commission for three years uh playing freddie the janitor uh, yeah. and, and uh and then it was i did i did almost all the episodics that were in vancouver you know guest stars just sometimes just you know uh actor roles Whatever they gave me, I, it's never been about being a star for me. It's just always just been about the work. If you do the work, everything else takes care of itself. Okay, so you have a question next, Kathy, or Kat? Um, over the course of So Weird, they dealt with a monster of the week every episode. What was your favorite monster of the week type of storyline? Um, I think maybe the the... The one I enjoyed the most was the one where uh, uh, we had the ghost biker on the uh, on the bus. I can't remember what the name of that was. Where I get thrown around on the bus. Mutiny. Oh, mutiny was good too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? They're, they were all good. The one where my best buddy uh, and we swim in the river and and he was possessed. I can't remember. I'm so bad. Paul. I'm sorry. So specific episodes, I can remember that. I mean, uh, the bigger episodes for me were when, you know, when uh, when Clue went off to school and, you know, we had to say goodbye and all that. Those kind of where I had a little more meat in my in my in my role. Those were the the ones I liked. The monsters, you know, I remember the one in the theater too, with the uh, the demon in the theater. That was a pretty good one too. But I don't know what kind of monster. 
Yeah, it was a film. The monster's not there. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that was a a dragon. That episode is what it was. Dragon. That's right. And, you know, the dragon's not there, though. It's, it's, a, it's a grip with, a, with a, a light on a stick that you're playing to. <laughs> wow. That must present some interesting acting challenges, having to play off of that. Well, you know, I do a lot of voice work, too. So I'm used to having to visualize what I'm doing anyway. I didn't find it all, all that challenging. It oh, okay. actually was a really, it, the, the stories were so good on that show it was really easy to do because so much of the dialogue was real dialogue it Mm -hmm. wasn't speeches and it was interaction with the other characters um okay and on our podcast we have another host named emily but uh she couldn't make it today but she had some questions um on one episode called blues you play the uh harmonica yeah um so how was that uh did you already know how to play that oh yeah i uh, you know that again another another uh crazy story i uh, when i was 10 years old i wanted to change churches because the first avenue baptist church had a harmonica band and i wanted to learn how to play the harmonica but i didn't really i wanted to go and play because they after they go and play at the old folks homes they go and play floor hockey or, you know, all, they'd go and do all this cool stuff. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. So, uh, so I, that's when I, 10 years old, I joined the First Avenue Baptist Church Harmonica Band. And, that, and so I've been playing the harmonica for a long, long time, for fi- more than 50 years. Oh, wow. Not lately, though. Lately, I've been concentrating on the guitar. And um, do you have a favorite role that you've ever done in a, like voice acting in a movie, TV show? I guess I, I really, I did a, a, a movie called Lone Hero, uh, where I played a character called Dog about these bikers that invade a town. Oh. Uh, and that was, that was a lot of fun. I got to ride, a mo- ride my motorcycle and fire shotguns. And, <laughs> and so that was the most, uh, that was the most fun. Um, I, and other than that, you know, I did Hawkeye for one season with uh, Linda Carter and Lee Horsley uh, were the leads in that. And I played uh, Sam, the uh, the blacksmith at the fort. And we were up in the in the GVRD, which is the big watershed, no access. But we were allowed to film up there. They built a big fort. You know, I had a whole blacksmith shop. I learned how to make horseshoes. I mean, it was like... It was great. It, it, they ended up only doing, I think, 12 episodes, and it got canceled. Linda Carter was the most fabulous woman, but I'll tell you, she looked like Wonder Woman when she was supposed to look like this little, you know, prairie woods, you know, mm-hmm. living in the middle of the woods, but her dresses were always so clean and tidy. <laughs> and, and his buckskins looked like they just came out of Sears Robot. So there was a... It was, a, it was, a, but it was great simply because of the people and, and where we were working. And I did a, a couple of three episodes of Dead Man's Gun out at Bordertown. And, and again, they were so much fun. Just great cast. And that's where I met Henry Winkler, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I ended up with So Weird. Everything comes back to Henry. Mm-hmm. So I guess my next question is kind of a trivial one, but I am just curious what exactly the origins of the nickname Squatch are. Uh, it goes back to grade nine, the very first day. I'm standing in line to register, and uh, I get tapped on the shoulder, and, and I'm like a foot taller and 40 pounds heavier than anybody else. I get a tap on the shoulder. I turn around, and it's the football coach. And he, I didn't know he was the coach at the time, but he said to me, what are you, some kind of Sasquatch? <laughs> my hair was down on my shoulders, and... I was pretty wild looking, and uh, and uh, and that was it. The rest of the kids, because all the grade nines were in one line, they all heard him call me Sasquatch. And by the time I got to my first class, I was Squatch. It stayed with me all through high school, and uh, and college. And then when I ended up at working as a carpenter in Calgary, Alberta, and I hadn't heard the name in like four or five years, and uh, I took a job. As a as a bartender in a in a hotel, and uh, the like 
third or fourth night I worked, I come on my shift and a guy at the yelled in the bar yells, Hey, Squatch. And then that was it. Everyone in the bar called me Squatch. And so then when I started doing stand up, it was a natural. Who's going to remember Dave Ward? Everybody remembers Squatch. And it was rather fortuitous that you ended up on So Weird since they did an episode about a Sasquatch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't get to play it. <laughs> I'm a natural. Well, that's okay. I read for uh, Once Upon a Time to play a giant, and I didn't get the part because I was too short, and I'm six foot three. Wow. <laughs> they were monsters, those guys. I can understand why I didn't get it. But I could be like the runt of the litter or something. <laughs> a smaller <laughs> giant. That's right. Just a mini giant. Okay, and going back to the character of Ned, what do you imagine Ned would be up to today? Well, with the way he ate, he'd probably be dead. But, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think uh, I always thought that Ned would go back to teaching. Teaching? You know, they'd go back to, uh, they'd go back and they'd settle down in their hometown and, and he'd teach and he got time and maybe ride a motorcycle once in a while and watch his kids grow up as they were almost done you know when the show was over erica or uh clue and uh jesus i can't even remember eric's <laughs> character's name how bad is that uh yeah clue and carrie and carrie that's right yeah they were all grown and so you know hopefully they wouldn't be like most kids who ignore their parents once they grow up <laughs> I love Ned's teaching moments. He was such a great teacher on the show. Well, yeah. I, I would like to think that I would be that kind of a teacher, too. <laughs> you know, make it interesting, make it fun. But, you know, you have to have boundaries when you're, when you're doing things. And I think Ned was big on that, too. Yeah. And on the show, so Ned drove the bus. Did you actually drive the bus on the show? And, like, did you know how to drive a bus before? Uh, no, I didn't, and I took some lessons, and I had to go and get my uh, air brakes, which was good, so I had to go to school for two nights and one day, and uh, yes, I did drive that bus. I drove it only in a straight line. The one time they had me try to drive it in the city at Queens Park in New West with these, you know, 200-year-old streets and sharp corners, and it was a double eagle. It's the biggest bus you can buy because they shot on the bus a lot. Mm. They needed to do that. Well, I ran over curbs on both sides of the street. Oh, no. Good God, get around the corners of this thing. <laughs> so they actually, they made, made what became known as the Ned Head. And they did a, they did a plaster, and then they, they made an acrylic max. And then, and I was offended. <laughs> better looking than And then they take one of my shirts, and a teamster, and they'd stuff pillows inside the shirt. <laughs> so anytime you didn't see me behind the wheel, which was always on the close-up, it was a teamster wearing the Ned head driving the bus. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And then they offered me the Ned head when the show was over. They said, you want to take your head? <laughs> one, one is enough. <laughs> that wow. is crazy. Yeah, it was, it was really, it was an amazingly fun show. The, the cast was great. I mean, like, there's not a nicer person in the world than Mac. I mean, she's just such a sweetheart. And Belinda is just this incredibly warm, giving, talented person. That's just, it was great all the way down the line. Loved everybody. That was actually my next question about the, oh, the cast. Yeah. <laughs> I can to go on. <laughs> um, and you, uh, live in Vancouver right now, and I think you've lived in Toronto, so uh, how do you like living in Canada in general? Because when I visit there, I really loved it. Oh, yeah. There's there's a reason I, I, I came out here. Uh, like I told you, I, I had a bar and was working a bar in Calgary, and one of my doormen married a girl from Campbell River on Vancouver Island and asked me to be the best man. Well, I never even went back and got my stuff. I had my... I had my roommate pack everything up and send it to me and uh, called and said, I'm not coming back. It was that dramatic. If I could get a job, the first place I walked into, I got a job as a bartender. So I stayed there for a little while and then I, I got back to 
making a living. But I spent like, I was just coming out of a divorce. So I didn't really have anything to hold me in Calgary. So I ended up spending three years in Campbell River before I bought into a bar in Victoria. And then I bought a hotel in the interior and did all that crazy stuff, running around trying to make money. Okay. Well, we mentioned earlier that there were two episodes of So Weird that were centric on Ned, which is Mutiny and Fall. And do you have any specific memories of making those episodes where you got to kind of step into the spotlight? Um, yeah, not, you know, you know, I have big memories in, of, uh, of Mutiny in particular. It was a really, uh, it was quite an intense episode. Uh, the other, I, I don't, uh, I don't really... Recall, I I know that it was the one that you're talking about, the one where my best friend and we're mm -hmm. in the river and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I that that was a quite an intense one too. You know, as an actor, I, I'm not that kind of an actor. You know, I don't count my lines and say, "Hey, how come this guy got more lines than me?" I don't. I'm not like that. It doesn't matter to me if I have five lines or if I have fifty lines. It doesn't make any difference at all. I just try to, to do the best I can with whatever they give me. So that's all you can do as an actor. I, I didn't write it. I'm not the writer. If I did, it would just be giant squatch monologues. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, no, I don't really, I can't really say that I do have, uh, I have, I have flags of memory, but I couldn't put them, you know, I remember all of these things that we did, all of the, uh, like individual scenes, but I don't really connect them to each story, mm -hmm. if uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, of course. So uh, it's like I don't, I, ne I didn't, I've never been one to folk. Honestly, after I do something, I forget about it. It's it's something I learned when I was doing auditions. When you audition for something, I used to stress and worry and phone my agent five times and. It does, and there's nothing she can do, and it doesn't matter. Once you've done it, it's done. Well, you and you do have uh, over 88 credits, so it's, you know, you're forgiven if you forget anything. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've been very busy, and that's, and you know, and I have hundreds of, of voiceover credits for ca cartoons and situations. I did a lot of, of dubbing of Japanese stuff. Ox, uh, I was Ox King on Dragon Ball Z. I did... Uh, I did Planet Man. I did yeah, uh, yeah. what do they call Transformers? I mean, I played a lot of monsters. <laughs> yeah, I actually had a little question on here about Dragon Ball because for people of my age, you know, that was a pretty pivotal show. And when I saw that you would voice that character on uh, the IMDb, it was like, oh, of course, you know, it's so obviously your voice. Um, so that was a kind of a neat thing to discover. Um, and the next question I have here is. And, you know, we spent a lot of time on this show talking about the change in direction So Weird took in season three with the change of the lead, uh, Carol leaving the show and Alex coming in. And we were just curious if you had any reactions at the time to such a change up in the direction of the show and the performers that you were working with at the time. Um, you know, I was sad to see Kara go. She's a, and we're still in contact and she's a wonderful girl. She's got a not great little family. She's so happy, and and I'm so happy for her. And I don't I don't know why the people make the decisions they do. The, the show was very uh, was very popular. She was very popular. Um, I I don't know. I think it was actually Kara's decision that she didn't want to be. She didn't want to do it anymore. So and because Disney only signed us all to one year contract. Okay. Wow. Yeah, well, so I, I'm assuming I'm not, I have never actually talked to Kara about it, but uh, you know when she decided not to come back, the show was like a huge hit. So, but they were only ever going to do three years. That's all Disney ever did back in the day. Well, I think they still have that policy of only doing three seasons for some of their shows. I know. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I know that was the policy then. So. But uh, it was good, you know. It, like I say, you you don't really gain anything by looking back. You really have to look ahead. That's where everything's happening. 
So thinking about the character of Ned as a whole, like as this ex-biker turned substitute teacher, head roadie, bus driver, can you think of a song that would capture Ned's personality? Born to be wild. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt. Well, and it sounds like you've played um, bikers in a couple of things. Do you do stuff with motorcycles in your own life? Oh, yeah. I, I've been on a motor... Got my first uh, motorcycle when I was 10 years old. Wow. I had a little 50cc Honda. And, uh, and I learned to ride that on my buddy uh, Jimmy Green's farm just outside of Toronto. And uh, we used to, we blasted those things around. It was a lot of fun. And, I, and then uh, in high school, I got myself a bike and had a big old uh, uh, 125 uh, Yamaha. It was so tall, my feet could hardly touch the ground. But mm -hmm. uh, it was a lot of fun. And I've been a, on and off a bike ever since. I actually still have one, but... Uh, Sadly, I, I had an accident, not on my motorcycle, but it injured my neck, and now I'm not able to shoulder check. So my motorcycle has been sitting in my garage uh, untouched for this will be uh, the fifth year. Oh so, yeah, it, yeah, I'm just, you know what, if you can't look back, a motorcycle is not a good thing to be sitting on. Because uh, you can avoid everything in front of you, but... Most motorcycle accidents happen because a motorcycle stops about 70% faster than a car. So most motorcycle accidents happen when a car hits them from behind. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. Yeah, it, because it, we, we can stop so much faster. So what's, uh, it's, uh, if you can't see what's behind you, then you shouldn't be on a motorcycle. So, but I've had a lot of bikes and I, and I put on a lot of miles. I did a tour once going back for my daughter's high school graduation and I left on the 1st of June from Vancouver. I got my motorcycle, my guitar, my luggage and I had a custom carrier built for the back of my motorcycle and my dog rode in that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I drove all the way from Vancouver to Toronto doing shows all the way along. Wow. And uh, and then I got into a going around the lakehead. I I hit a bad storm and it put me a day and a half behind. And I showed up at my daughter's graduation, covered in my leathers, covered in road grime, <laughs> with all and and just taking my helmet off. I, I opened that door to the gymnasium because it's already started. And there <laughs> I am. I, I'm like backlit. And every head in the, in the auditorium turned around. This giant man, all dressed in leather and dirt, walked in. Oh, my what daughter, a sight that must have been! Oh God, I can see my daughter because our last name is Ward. So it's, she was going up near the end. So she hadn't gone up yet. They were just starting to bring people up, and she turned around and she looked at me, and I just saw her go white. <laughs> He's. Uh, I should have maybe looked in a mirror. <laughs> and then I still had a couple of shows, uh, so I took her and her girlfriend, and I went to um, Camp Borden, which is a, a big uh, army base. I had a show booked there, and then I, I took her to the show, and then i not thinking that I'm dropping my 17-year-old daughter into the mid of about 500 soldiers who've been oh. confined to base. Oh, no. It was well. I wrote a whole practically wrote a whole new show. Hey, you get away from her! <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling very parental at that point. <laughs> hey, um, so this question's from Emily. Um, she asks, were there any good relationships formed during the run of the So Weird show? Oh yeah, you know I um. I see. I, I talk to Belinda all the time. I see her occasionally because uh, we live a long way away from each other, even here in the Lower Mainland. And I'm in touch with with Mac. And uh, but probably the closest relationship uh, that I got out of that was with Jeff O'Neill, who was uh, our guitar consultant on the show, and very very talented musician. And he's helped me a lot in my music because I didn't start playing guitar until so weird. I'd never played the guitar before. I was too lazy. <laughs> it's hard. It takes a lot of work, and it hurts your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of 
but uh, yeah, he was great, and he helped me lots on the show, and and then even after the show, he plays a lot around town, and he's very well known Vancouver musician. He played with Streetheart, so very talented. So yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> but we all, you know, they were mostly L.A. actors, mm-hmm. you know, so they're all back in L.A. Belinda is still here, and uh, but she spends her time between here and Toronto, it seems. And, Still, uh, she's recording and working and doing all that stuff. So, okay. So you mentioned earlier the voice acting you've done, and just going through your credits, I see a lot of shows that I can remember watching as a kid. Things like Dragon Ball, like Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, Mummies Alive, Action Man, and a lot of these are additional voices. Some of these are lead parts. And what are the challenges in voice acting versus face acting for you? The ability to visualize on, on things like Dragon Ball Z that it's that's a dubbing it's already been drawn and it's already been voiced right so we're replacing the usually Japanese so that's a little different and you have the pictures in front of you when you're doing it and you're trying to make this words fit the movements of the mouth a lot of this stuff though like action it's all prelate so you it's by far the most fun you, you're, you do it like a little play. There's seven or eight of us in the room, however many characters are in it, and we do it line by line. And it's hilarious. And people are, you know, it, it's, just a, it's just a lot of fun. But again, you have to be able to visualize what your character is doing, what the situation is. You know, so that's the difference between that and, and actual acting. Because when you're acting, you've got the other people there. You know, you're 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 in the scene. So there, you have to. I guess the way to say it is, when acting, you have to be in the moment. When you're voice acting, you have to create the moment. Because there is no other influence there, especially dubbing. You know, it's like you have to make it work. You don't have other actors to bounce off of or do that. Well, and with dubbing, there's a issue of getting the timing right that I imagine can be tricky. Yes, it, it can be very, very tricky. You know, uh, but again, once you get the hang of it, it's uh, it's pretty simple. And and the guys that do it, the the producer and, and director, are, are very talented people too. They know how to get you where you want to go. And you've had such a really fantastic career looking at things you've been in a lot of. I mentioned at the top of the show a lot of the really interesting actors and performers you've been in films with and um something i noticed is um you've been in like i said you've been in movies with john ritter and ethan hawk and arnold schwarzenegger and the muppets and all these things and do you have any specific memories of encountering big performers like that or big personalities like that well i i did a bird on a wire with mel gibson and uh we shot at the, uh, we shot, I just had a, a, a little role where I was playing a, a barker at, uh, at a carnival. And at lunchtime, and I had to see with him, and at lunchtime, he said, hey, want to come ride the roller coaster? So I went and rode the roller coaster with, uh, with Mel Gibson and like 25 other people. Oh, was, wow. They closed the whole thing down, right? So we could ride all the rides. I'm not a ride guy, but I do like the roller coaster. <laughs> and, and, but my, this is, my most favorite moment in my entire acting career. I, uh, I did one of those uh, diagnosis murder things with uh, Dick Van Dyke. And in the scene, uh, I'm a gangster, and it's my gangster boss's birthday, and we're expecting a stripogram. <laughs> um, and when I open the door, it's Dick Van Dyke. And he says, well, the, the stripper couldn't make it. I, I'm a singing telegram. So he came in, and while we're doing the rehearsal, he starts singing Vinnie Boy. Oh, Vinnie Boy, the pipes, the pipes. So he does the first line, and then I it's the rehearsal, so I just start singing with him. And the uh, the director says, that's great. Go practice that. I want you to do that in the, in the, in the show. So it's just about lunch. We break for lunch. Dickie Van Dyke invites me into his trailer uh, for lunch. The most naturally funny person I have ever met in my entire life. 
he wasn't telling jokes. He was just making you laugh. It was amazing. And then uh, while I were having lunch, uh, Much Music, which is the Canadian version of MTV, they showed up to interview him. And I was there with them, so they interviewed me too. It was way cool. And when we did this, uh, when we did the song, it came out so great. They were everybody with the director. Everyone just loved it. And that's like my that's my favorite memory of everything I've ever done. Yeah, getting to sing with Dick Van Dyke that is pretty amazing. It, it was uh, it definitely the highlight of my career. And I also can't help but notice you've played Santa Claus twice in two separate projects. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got the build for it. <laughs> and now I got the white beard and the, and the hair, so. <laughs> the movie know. was a lot okay. of fun, too. And then, and then I worked on that uh, jingle all the way, too, with uh, the, uh, what's his name? The Larry the Cable Guy? Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, yeah, who is absolutely a funny, funny guy, too. Uh, but really smart. I mean, he was talking to me about the business, and uh, and he really knew he really knew his stuff. So, yeah, it's good. You know what? I I can't think of one single thing I've done that I that I I just said I never want to do this again. It's just it's so much fun, and it's such a a great way to to be able to support yourself. Uh, you know, I, I never had aims of being a star. And now I'm an old man, right? So for me now, it's just, uh, I did, I had three parts, three things last year. I've, I've had a couple of reads this year. I haven't got anything yet. But again, you know, when it comes along, it comes along. I'm concentrating on my music and on my book. And uh, that's it. That's life. I did it. See, I, I now seem to be getting the kind of roles where I'm dead before the opening credits. <laughs> it's a nice scene, like this Schwarzenegger film. I'm I never I never met Arnold, but I worked with the director, who was also one of the actors, and uh, and he shoots me before the before the the credits roll. <laughs> but you know, I'm okay with that. I've been killed lots before the credits. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, works I, I, work. Who can complain? I'm not complaining because I, <laughs> I'm a zombie. I keep bouncing back. So are we ready to move on to the questions from our fans and listeners? Okay. All right. Well, our first one here is from Kelly. This is coming to us from Twitter. And the question is, which episode was the most fun to film and why? Which one was the most fun to film? Or at least a scene that, that was fun. Uh, there's so many uh, scenes that I can't place them on an episode. Uh, the one with, that we were at the river and I jumped in the river, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it was very cold, mm -hmm. the, the glacier-fed river, but uh, that was good. That was the one where uh, we were after my friend. And and the, the one where, Clue, again, the one where Clue went to, uh, went off to school. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was the most intense, but it was a lot of fun too. It was there was because we we presented a lot of different emotions and things in that particular episode. Okay, so sorry if some of these questions are repeating, but no. uh, yeah, I'm going to try to not repeat some. So this next question is from Mrs. Tips on Twitter. Um, she asks. What is the fondest memory from working on the show? Uh, did working on the show feel any different in season three compared to the first two? And she would also like to say that she loved how you owned the character of Ned. Uh, well, thank you. And uh, yeah, there was a huge change between the second and third season. Uh, the whole adding in uh, uh, Eric and... Uh, and losing care, it changed the whole tone of the show as well. And um, yeah, my the thing that, that I'm most fond of is the uh, is the relationships that we had while we were filming. It really was pretty a uh, pretty cool set. It was very tranquil, and you know there were guitars everywhere, so mm -hmm. there was always music, you know, and and people singing and Max. 
you know, everybody, uh, Belinda, it, it, I have nothing but fond memories of the entire show. That's so good to hear. This one is from Melody, who sent us an email question. Do you have any funny story or memories of bloopers from filming So Weird? None, honestly, not specifically. And we did a blooper reel every year. You know, really? And I remember laughing and laughing when we were watching it. Uh, but like I said, we didn't have as many bloopers, I think, as other shows that I've done because the dialogue was dialogue. It wasn't a speech attached to a speech attached to a speech. It was like, where are you going? I'm going here. Why are you going? You know, it's question and answer. It was that type of show because there was so much information that had to come out to make the storylines work. But, uh, yeah, that's it. That's good to know. I wish Disney would release that. Yeah, I was thinking that's material for that DVD set that's never going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, this next question is from Danielle, and this is coming to us from Facebook. Um, and she asks, do you believe in the paranormal, and have you experienced any weird events yourself? Yeah, I come from a long line of, the, line of freaks. And uh, <laughs> my sister, Bonnie, is an actual uh, Wiccan priestess. She lives in Ontario. Oh, wow. And I have seen so many weird things happen to her and in her home when I was growing up. It was, uh, it, it was, uh, it was strange. One night, uh, one day, because uh, I went to high school not far from her home, and when I was leaving uh, or going to practice one night, I took a, a shot to the thigh and I had a Charlie horse. I went to her house and I sat in a chair she was upstairs her husband let me in and when she came downstairs she walked in the room and said what happened to your leg and i said what she said you've got a your aura has a big black spot on your leg i don't know and it was right that's where my charlie horse was and wow. she just saw me come in she didn't see me sit down she just and she did that she used to draw paintings of people's auras and she does this crazy goddess priestess artwork stuff she's quite talented she's just nuts <laughs> that's so amazing to hear yeah I, you know what there's more things on heaven and earth that minds like ours can can handle i believe all that and you know places like in new orleans we spent 20 days uh, me and my wife in new orleans and uh, they do actual haunted tours and stuff there and i'll tell you when it starts, the sun starts going down and you're in a graveyard in New Orleans. Oh my goodness, I'll tell you, that's not the place you want to be. <laughs> it just has that feeling. So yeah, I, I'd say I'm a believer in, uh, in those kind of things. Cool. Okay, wow. so... Um, I, I saw Yuri Geller bend a spoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is from Lauren on Facebook. Uh, she asks, are there any lessons that you learned from working on So Weird that you apply to what you do now? Hold out for a bigger trailer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we, it, it, we are the sum total of every single thing that has ever happened to us. Big things, little things, things that we think are inconsequential, but everything changes us fundamentally uh, as, as people. And so you never start changing and stop changing and you never stop learning. So, I mean, every pun you have to, there were, there was one person on set that I did not get along with very well. And I learned how to get along with them on So Weird in particular. And the same techniques have helped me many times dealing with people who are more not as concerned about the end result as they are about their own results. It always creates a, a bit of a conflict with me. You know, I'm, a, I'm the ultimate team guy. And um, this one is from Princess Fernandez on Facebook. What was your yeah, favorite Prince song from the show and what did you think of the songs? What's that? What was your favorite song from the show and what did you think of the songs? Uh, I like the songs. I, I, I'm sorry to say, I can't think of the name of a single one. I really liked our theme music. I thought it was really good. And uh, 
the song that, uh, and I can, and we were at Club Soda when we recorded that song, and uh, and Mac did such a great job on it, and I cannot remember what the episode was, but it was just a great song. Uh, no, not there. <laughs> I'm trying, but uh, <laughs> specifics uh, elude me. You know, I've got to remember too. It was more than 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I'm hard old. to believe all that time has passed. That's right. Well, our next question here is from Andrea, who's one of our faithful listeners. And she has three questions for you, Dave. She wants to know um, about the beginning of your experience starting on So Weird, which I think you kind of answered earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I think I did answer it earlier. I, I worked with Henry on uh, an episode of Dead Man's Gun. And it's actually a funny little story. We were both standing at craft services. And someone had put uh, muffins, English muffins, in the toaster and left. So I was standing there, and me and Henry were talking, and this toaster flung these two muffins out, and they rolled across the table and down to the floor, and one of them rolled right outside the door. And I said, Henry, rogue muffin. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed, and then we just started talking and hanging out uh, for the next few days, and ultimately that got me the gig on So Weird. Um, Andre would also like to know what was it like meeting your co-workers or co-stars and show writer John Cooksey for the first time and continue to work with them as the series progressed? Well, John, John was great. He was uh, just a wonderful uh, writer and a really nice man. And uh, the first time we met was at a sit-down at, uh, at the studio and everyone was introduced to each other, and we, we ran through the first script, uh, which we did every week. We would sit down and, and read the script for the, for the following week. We would get our, we'd get our, our new scripts on a, on a Wednesday, and on Wednesday at lunchtime, we would, we would read through the script, and we were supposed to be ready to go the, the following Monday, which was, like, never hard for me because... You know, even in the big episodes, I like I said, I I didn't have any speeches. You know, I I had to remember real lines, so it was good. Yeah, and and you know, it was that was one of my favorite uh, times was when we get together at lunch. That one, because other than that, you know, you go back to your own trailer, you with the crew or whatever. Usually, you'd go back to your own trailer and work on your afternoon lines and and things like that. But you you film a lot differently. When you're when you're filming with kids, because kids can only work eight hours a day, and they have to have specific periods. They have to have uh, time with their tutors. They have to do all of that stuff. So what ends up happening is all of the scenes that have only the kids in it are all filmed first. So a lot of times we'd be there. I would be there for like seven hours and not get in front of the camera. You know, that's seven hours after call. And usually I was there an hour, at least an hour and a half before the call. So there was a lot of waiting around. But then my last few hours were really busy because, you know, they couldn't keep the kids, but they could keep us for as many hours as they want. So it was a, it was a different way of filming for sure. Okay. And then our last question from Andrea is, were there any specific on-site filming locations that you favored in particular? I like I uh, I always liked filming at uh, at uh, Ned and uh, and uh, at Ned's house in because uh, it was in Port Moody. It's like five minutes from my house, so I like going there. And all the time when we filmed, uh, uh, we went out and we filmed in Steveston. We filmed in uh, in, in White Rock. They were they were it was good. The the episode where we I can't with this crazy heat wave and we check into this rundown motel and the, we clean the pool and we end up at the end we have a nice clean pool to swim in uh, that was a lot of fun there because we got to go swimming <laughs> I'm 61 going on 6 <laughs> okay is it Andrea Higginbottom I know that's not her real name yeah and this is the Andrea that you met from my aunt from Florida Yes. <laughs> oh, she's listening. Hi, Andrea. I'm sure she is listening, and I'm sure she will appreciate that. 
Okay, so this question is from Wisdom on our on YouTube. Uh, they ask, do you wish the show was brought back to complete the original story or retold in the 2000s? Um, I don't know. For a long time, I, I was hoping that we would do something because the, the whole premise was so good. And, uh, and, not, and not a slight against Alex because she did a really good job in, in that third year. But I always thought it would should be Kara and Linda and Mac and Belinda and Mac and, and me and, and, and doing like that. Now it's it's beyond belief. We're too old. <laughs> if it was you know, it would have to be Clue in the band. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd still be old. Right. Um, Day Sleeper 1990 on YouTube has three questions. Her first one is what are some of your favorite voice acting roles? Uh, I did a, a, a thing called Sitting Ducks, which is a, a Berard a uh, project. He's, it's um, it's anime. It's I'm trying to think of what they call that kind of animation. I'm losing it. Anyway, uh, I played Aldo the alligator, and my best friend is a duck. It's called Sitting Ducks, and uh, it was a uh, we we did uh, three up three years of it, and it was a lot of fun. Great with great voices, great actors. Uh, so you can Google that if you want sitting ducks. There's lots of episodes out there on YouTube and stuff. Uh, that was one of my favorites. And uh, I did this. God, I should have wrote some of this down. <laughs> I, I, I did this other one where I played uh, I played a wrestler. And uh, oh, what was that called? Oh, I can't remember. No, not Dragon Ball Z. My wife's here now. <laughs> Says hi. We have a we we're the semi proud owners of a sixteen year old five pound uh, Pomeranian poodle cross named Elvis, and he just got back from the vet. He's not doing. He wasn't doing too well today. Oh, getting old. Well, I, I wish. Uh, I hope Al, I hope Elvis gets better. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Elvis, how you doing? He's deaf too. Oh. Anyway. I then figure that's how I'm going to end up, and then Lisa will just take me across the street to the vet and have me put down. Oh. <laughs> Say hello, Elvis. Hi. Uh, so sweetie. Yeah, he's 16 years old. Oh, wow. my goodness. Wow. Still so I've heard of. Oh, well, we have to give equal time. Mm -hmm. And this is Nutmeg. Hey, Nutmeg, look at your own team. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Nutmeg. <laughs> All right. Adorable. How sweet. Okay, there was a family moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then on to the Day Sleeper 1990s second question. Which do you prefer, acting on screen or voice acting? Uh, I think it's a tie between acting and prelay voice work. Uh, my least favorite is dubbing. I, it, you have to work much harder. And you're by yourself in a little room with headphones and a TV. You know, a foot away from you. The, when you're doing a, a prelay, I'm. It's like doing a play. You know, so you're 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 reading the script. You're in, you're reacting to the other actors. So, I think they're the same. Yeah, the acting and the prelay voice acting are equally fun. The pre the voice acting is easier. You know, there's no costumes. There's no movement. You know, you don't have to hit your mark. You know all of the things that are involved in in acting with uh, other uh, with a, with live time. You've got uh, you have to hit your mark. You have to make eye contact in a certain place. You know, there's all that technical stuff that goes with with actually acting that is not there when you're voice acting. It's all about what can you make your voice do. Can you sound scared? Can you sound angry? Do you you know? Can you can you tell a joke? You know, those kind of things. So I guess really being a, a fat, lazy old man, I probably would prefer voice acting now. <laughs> All right. And Day Sleeper 1990s, last question is, what have you been up to lately? Well, I've been, uh, I've predominantly been wor working on my book called Santa Wears a Raincoat. It's based on a song that I wrote called 
needless to say, Santa wears a raincoat, and it's about a, it's based on a true story where my uh, my grandkids, when they were five and three, and the rain was coming down like it only can in Vancouver, and uh, and they were getting worried, and they said, well, how will Santa get here? Because there was no snow, it was raining every day. And I came up with this story that when it's raining in Vancouver, an orca pulls his sleigh. So that turned into a, like five years later, I, I was entered in a, in a Christmas songwriting contest. And that came into my mind. I wrote this song. It won the contest. It got on the radio and then it got recorded. And now it's uh, it's sale on uh, CD Baby and other things. Uh, called Santa Wears a Raincoat, and uh, it's uh, it was recorded by uh, the Sasquatch Mountain Fog. <laughs> that's what we call our band. It's uh, four of us, and the, 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 the fog stands for four old guys. <laughs> my bass player is a girl, and it's very talented, and my brother-in-law plays guitar on it, and, and my, my friend Leon is a uh, is percussionist. It's a nice little song. Uh, feel free to download it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll have to include the link to the CD Baby page in the YouTube description. Mm -hmm. okay. It's not on YouTube. Well, for this episode, I mean, for oh, the interview. Yeah. I, you can do that. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. <laughs> I, I, say there's... I, I got this PayPal thing, and I got a bunch of money sitting in it, and I can't even figure out how to get it into my account. Oh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, like I said, I'm a idiot. And you say there's a book to this as well? Yeah, we just uh, finished a book. I'm actually going to take uh, the last pieces of it out to uh, the back cover. I we got our bios and, uh, for me and the artist and uh, and uh, photos for the back. And uh, we had to change the size of the cover uh, of the book, uh, my artist buddy. So she gets all of that tonight. And uh, the first copy, the proof copy, we should have by sometime next week. Wow, so do you have any idea when it'll be released? By Definitely by the 1st of September. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited about it. And there's a Facebook page, Santa Wears a Raincoat, where I've been trying to keep people up to date on what's happening. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. The artwork is, is amazing. It's a, a fellow I've known for a, a couple of years, and I was telling, I sang the song, and afterwards, we were talking about it, and I said, this would make such a good book, this song. And he said, yeah, you're right. And uh, next time I saw him, he shows me this picture of Santa being pulled across this funky-looking moon by in a sled by an orca. And I looked at this, and I said, oh, my God, that is so perfect. And then it took him a year and a half to draw the other 22 pages. <laughs> but it looks great. I'm really excited about it. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I have two um, final questions for you. Um, so you know how there's a lot of re reboots happening, uh, like how the X-Files got rebooted um, from Boy Meets World. They had a new show called Girl Meets World. So I was wondering, and I'm sure other people are wondering, uh, would you ever consider coming back? To the role of Ned, if there was ever a reboot of some sort. Oh yeah, I, you know, I'm an actor, and I, I don't really matter what I'm doing, whatever the thing. I just did this thing for uh, for Jason Alexander on his new thing called Hit the Road, which kept. It's about a rock band on tour, only instead of paranormal stuff. They're just like not very nice people. <laughs> <laughs> they do awful things. One of their kids is a drug dealer, and I mean, and I and I and they offered me the role, and my agent was all, you know, do you really want to do this role? I said, why? Well, because the guy's really creepy, and I got, and it takes place on a Greyhound bus, and I come into um, making lewd advances towards one of the kids. And they said, do you want to do that? And, uh, and I said, yeah, I don't care. I mean, honestly, it's a role. It's not who I am. Somebody's got to play the bad guys. <laughs> Almost yeah. sounds like an evil version of Ned. 
<laughs> well, you know, it came across pretty harmless, actually. And I looked a lot different. I, you know, my hair was really it's gone now. But uh, this was because my wife absolutely hated my hair when it was like this big. <laughs> and, uh, so I, for Valentine's Day, I got a haircut. <laughs> I didn't have to get her anything else. It worked out perfect. <laughs> Not even a card. <laughs> Just a big pile of hair on the middle of the <laughs> table. Okay, and um, my last question is, uh, what are your thoughts about how the show So Weird still has many passionate fans who still talk about the show? And is there anything you want to say to all those fans? Yeah, I, I'm... I, I, I'm surprised that 15 years later, it still has the following that it does. But I'm also uh, flattered for my for my part in it, that uh, that people cared enough about the show to actually care about what's happening with us, you know, old worn out actors. So uh, yeah, it you know I I think it really speaks to the quality of the writing that uh, that show had that it was able to hold a, an audience because honestly, you know, that the, the attention span amongst, you know, I know when I was 13 years old to 16 years old, I wasn't paying that much attention. You know, there's so many uh, other things to do that people would take the time to care about a TV show. I, I find that to be uh, heartwarming. It, it makes me feel good that, that, that people still care about the show. Because really it was probably the, the biggest thing I did, you know, I did three years on the commission, but I was not nearly as integral part of it. So, yeah, I, I'm. I, I want to thank everybody who takes the time to to follow what we're doing and what's going on, and and still enjoying the show. I guess almost everything's online now, YouTube episode after episode. So you know, sometimes things happen. People they pick up a new audience. People see it. Say, hey, that's a pretty good show. What happened to it? <laughs> and maybe they'll say, hey, Squatch, maybe you'd like to be mad again. And I do it in a heartbeat. Oh, I wish. <laughs> so do I. I just, I just want to say that for me, one of the most heartwarming things about this show is how positively everybody associated with it still talks about it. Yes. It was like, it was one of the most drama free shows I've ever done. By that, I mean between the cast. I've worked on shows where this person doesn't like this person. They send their assistant to get their lunch because they don't want to have to see that person in the lunch. You know, all these, these conflicts. I've worked on shows like that, and it saps the energy out of everybody. When you have positive vibes going, I mean, it's like, it's, it makes it so easy. And it was a hard show. You know, so weird because there were a lot of special effects and all that stuff going on. So, it, it, but people were right into it. They they saw how good it came out, and uh, and and yeah, and we had a great crew. You know, the the crews up here in Vancouver are amazing. They've been you know they've been doing it for a hundred years, like L.A. But uh, you know, we got a good sixty years in now of doing you know quality film work up here. And everything here is new, you know, the, from the production end, so much of the equipment is the best because we got a late start. So if you're going to buy, they used to take the films every day and they would send them to L.A. and then they'd have to wait another day for them to come back before they could see the dailies. Well, so now we have have uh, have studios in, in Vancouver and they can develop the film right there. They do everything there because most of the good stuff is still shot on film not on videotape, you know, or even on digitally. They, they still, film has a certain texture to it that you don't get digitally or so. Yeah, it, it's been, a, it was a great run. I'm glad I did it and I, I would do it again. And, you know, now I'm kind of semi-retired against my will, but still. <laughs> uh, life is good. I'm going, uh, if you want, you can see me in Las Vegas uh, from uh, the 28th to the, of May to the 2nd of June. 
I'm not performing. I'm just going to be down there drunk with my daughter for her <laughs> birthday. Uh, <laughs> I'm home for two days, and then we're going on an Alaska cruise with my father-in-law for his 81st birthday. Oh, wow. So, wow. Full summer. That's, that's really cool. I've always wanted to do an Alaskan cruise. Yeah, this is our third one. And then it's uh, it's fabulous. We uh, we we love it, obviously, because it's we're going again. <laughs> well, I think that is all the questions we had for you, Dave. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us tonight. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure being here. And does Kathy and Cat have anything else they want to say? I'll just thank you once again. Yeah, thanks, Kathy. Well, I guess that uh, wraps up the episode then in that case. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you once again, Dave, for being on the show. And we hope to see you all again soon here on the So Weird Podcast. Thank you very much, Zach, uh, Kathy, and Kat. Uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time to wake up an old dad. <laughs> and uh, and you, you guys take care and peace out. For sure. Thank you. Thank you.